Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crowtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Welcome back, everybody. We are live coming to you from the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. The T.C. Martin Show. The doctor is out of the house today. He's making some house calls down in Houston. Uh, hopefully getting that flight from Corpus Crispy back up to uh, uh, Houston so he can get there in time for the first pitch of that World Series game tonight. Thanks for joining us. You can always get everything you need and all your T.C. Martin stuff that you need at the tcmartinshow.com. You can follow him on, on Twitter at tcmartin21. Make sure you go back and check out uh, the, past pod, uh, the past podcast uh, interviews. Like I was telling you, Marco, this week, he's, he had uh, Larry Bow on this week, Dave Stewart, Mattress Mac was a great segment that he had. So all your sports coverage, uh, recap of all of our best bets, which we'll be getting into at the back of this hour. But now we've got uh, the executive director of the Race of Sportsbook, uh, John Murray, here with us to fill us in on what a great weekend it is. The Golden Knights already started. We got the World Series starting. Big weekend in college football and the NFL week eight. John, how crazy of a time is it for you? You got game one of the World Series tonight, obviously, and we'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, before we get to it, we got to recap last night. How did things work out uh, for the book last night, Baltimore and Tampa Bay? We did good. I mean, you usually win on the Thursday game. So Thursday... Thursday game starts all everybody's parlays. Okay. So some people lose, and the others have their winners just move to the weekend. Whereas the Monday game, you lose a lot of the time because it's closing everyone's parlays. So we did win. We didn't win as much as I would have liked. Um, good result, though. I can't complain. I got to think, talking back to Monday, I have to think that the Bears were a good outcome for yeah. you guys on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. So Monday we were going to lose on any scenario other than Bears' money line, which we got. Yeah. So touche. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then uh, this weekend, college football, not the greatest. There are some good NFL games. I'm just I'm really annoyed. I didn't know the Knights were playing at 3 o'clock today. Yes. You know, I definitely would have, like, faked a sickness. Or <laughs> I, there's no way. I mean, that looks like so much fun to be there. It's Nevada Day. What a day to go out go out there, have lunch, go to the game. The, if uh, I'd planned anything out, I would have pretended to be sick and just not posted on social. 
Well, TC right. Martin is lucky that uh, today was not my game. I split my season tickets with uh, my good friend Brian Leonard, and uh, we have great seats behind the net. And uh, this was his game today, so uh, I'm not missing it because uh, <laughs> TC, uh, I, I would have had to, you know, surcharge him if I had to miss a, a hockey game. But yeah, TC's it's living a, the dream. He's at the World Series now. He's yeah. at the World Series right now. He's uh, connecting through Corpus Christi. There's no direct flights to Houston. I think got they diverted. got they got diverted. I he think they had a weather wrong. issue. Oh, some rain down there in Houston this week. So wow. it's it's crazy. Yeah, I got got a few texts from. Normally I get uh, texts with pictures of him shoving uh, food in his face, uh, all the great cuisine he right. eats out on the road. Uh, but uh, he's not in the, the best of moods right now <laughs> trying to get to the oh, game. I bet he's not. But uh, speaking of the game, since we're on it, um, how yeah. has the action been on uh, the Houston-Philadelphia uh, series? I know that a lot of books around town do have – liability to the Astros. How are you guys sitting? <laughs> yeah, that's one way of saying it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They've, they <laughs> yes, there's some big liability on the Astros. You know, we're, we're in a pretty good spot. We don't do great on Houston. We do very well on Philadelphia in Nevada. Now, you know, we run a sports book in New Jersey, too. And in the Superbook in New Jersey, we're buried on the Phillies. Okay, uh, oh, makes that, sense. We did very poorly when they won the pennant on Sunday. We uh, we do very poorly if they do win the World Series. But here in Nevada at the Westgate, we do very well on Philadelphia. And we do okay on Houston. Yeah. He, we all know in uh, TCA had him on the show, I think. Did he have him on the show this week earlier, Mattress Mac? Yes, he did. Uh, great, great segment. You know, uh, what Mattress Mac does, and, and that inflates a lot of the liability around town, too, sure. uh, when he shows up uh, – <laughs> Comes in with his plane and uh, drops some money off, but uh, it, it's great uh, for him. I mean, what a guy! Uh, he's done it for how many years now? Uh, you know, making these promotions with the bets. And uh, you can't... I first met him in '17. He came into our book uh, trying to make a bet on Game One of the World Series. I didn't know who he was. And everybody, uh, Astros, Dodgers, Game One. What do you do when you got a guy come up and he just has a uh, you know? Just a bundle of money. <laughs> I don't know. I remember, I mean, I, I remember, like, he came up, he asked how much he could bet. I gave him a number, and he's like, what, that's it? <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, I'm thinking to myself, now I know who he is, obviously. Yeah. Right. But at the time, I'm thinking to myself, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. What is he talking about? That's it. And he looks like just a, a regular Joe. Yeah. I, I don't no, want to, I I don't wanna, you know, I'm not saying it in a mean way. He's just, because he's just that kind of a guy, you know. Right. Um, the persona that he has. Oh, you know, when he's on these shows talking about the bets and what he does with his store and everything, um, he's great. When they had, you know, the hurricane down there and the flooding and everything, he opened his store up yeah. for people as a shelter. Um, it, it's great. It, you know, obviously it's great for his brand and everything else. And I'm a fan of his because you know, I'm in horse racing and he's in horse racing as well. He owned the uh, Run Happy, the you know most famous horse that he's owned and standing at stud now. So. Uh, I followed him along, and but uh, it's got to be fun whenever he shows up knocking on your door. I, what can I'm I a, bet? I'm a fan of his too, mostly because he didn't make any of those Astros bets here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've got nothing but positive things to say about him. It sounds like he's a pillar in the community, and he doesn't have us exposed to millions of dollars in liability. So I'm a big fan. I just uh, that story I told. I had no idea who he was. Right. The first time meeting him, yep. I was like, "What is this guy talking about?" It looks like somebody's grandfather <laughs> walking up to the window. I mean, yeah, you get so one thing when you're on that side of the counter is you get these guys that come up a lot and they ask, "How much can they bet?" 
and you tell them, and they don't even—they're not even looking to bet a fraction of that. <laughs> so this guy is somebody who is, in fact, the real deal. Mm -hmm. He is the genuine article when it comes to putting down money on these games. And great for the community. Uh, anything on the over/under tonight? I haven't seen—you know—I haven't seen a ton of action on the game other than a lot of props. We get so much action on these yes/no guys will hit home runs. It's unbelievable. Uh, that we get we get like our, our arbitrage type guys wise guys laying these big no's and then you know the public loves the yes on Schwarber right. Bryce Alvarez uh, we, we write a lot of action on that it's interesting the the sharps in you know go back to you know football and I, I know one of the bets that you know when it's the Super Bowl everybody will bet no no safety um, be, you know because the odds are astronomical yeah. oh, I know but the actual math is even higher than what what you're doing with it and we had that one stretch in the super bowl wasn't there two or three years in a yeah, row, in a row. three out of four I think. Yeah. It, it, or maybe it was four maybe it was three in a row four out of five yeah and it, it yeah. is and i remember the, no, the one it was, was the denver the denver well, that was the, the, that the, was the one that i bet myself because i got an unbelievable price on it and i can still remember that play in slow motion <laughs> just watching the snap go over in peyton's head I just being like, oh, my God, that's going to be a safety. <laughs> it was like Keanu Reeves <laughs> yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah, I, I, I remember that one. Right and then you had the Giants-Patriots game where they called holding in the end, the end zone. zone. You had the San Francisco-Baltimore game where they took a safety on purpose. Yeah. And then there was a safety in the Arizona-Pittsburgh game as well. Yeah, I so forgot I the Arizona-Pittsburgh like, I think it was like one. four out of five or yeah. four out of six years, something like that. And guys that do that and lay that big number, it, you know, yeah, it hurts, but the problem is when you lose, you know, we know what the math is, but when you do lose right. one of those, do you know how many years in a row you have to win that same, yeah. that same bet? That, that's before? assuming you have the stomach. To the <laughs> two. Yeah. Like if I lost two in a row oh, at like oh. minus eight bucks, mm -hmm. I know the math is there, mm -hmm. but I might be like, I don't know if I can stomach doing this again. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stomaching things, uh, for the sharp guys, we talked about it last week, and it, you know, it's still out there. Um, the teasers have been good for the books this year. And yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you see that start to, you know, we always talk about regression, you know, to the mean and so forth. But I think as we get further along in the NFL season, you know, we give you more credit because I think the lines become tighter and tighter as the season goes on where – when you're adding that six points in the right situation, mm -hmm. I think teasers are going to be good again. But everybody is so down on them because they, the first you know eight weeks of the season, the Wong teasers have been just plain Wong. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would I wouldn't change what you're doing. As I would as long as you're getting a price that you think you can win at, you shouldn't worry too much about seven weeks. You're definitely right. The market gets better. There's teams that we thought were going to be good, like the Packers that are yeah. lousy. There's teams that we thought weren't going to be that good, like New York, both New York teams. Yeah. That I mean, we thought Denver was going to be good. We thought the Jets weren't going to be good. So you, we're starting to learn who these teams are. The games are lower scoring. That should be good for those teasers. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the, I think it'll 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 work itself out. I wouldn't give up on those teasers unless you're laying too much juice. And then the, you should have never been doing them to begin with. Exactly. So, but if you're if you're laying a, a decent price on them. I would stick with it. I don't think it's going to go away. And just make sure you're using those key numbers. Speaking of setting numbers on teams and, you know, 
not thinking they're, you know, as bad as they're ending up playing. Let's talk about that Green Bay-Buffalo game. We talked about that in an earlier segment. And when was the last time you ever saw Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers this big of a dog? And uh, my first guess, Ralph, looked at you know, it's been a long time, and it's never happened with him as a quarterback. I was going to guess never. Yeah, they've only been – he only found two double-digit uh, times that they were double-digit dogs going back to 2010. Um, and there was only one in the uh, Rodgers era, and he missed that game. He was out. So that's a big number for you guys. It's a Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. You're, you know the money is – you're always going to get a you know heavy action on the game because it's either people, you know – betting with their winnings or <laughs> they're chasing Sunday night. You know how that works out. How do you put that number up on Buffalo? Because you know Buffalo looks so good, and right now the Packers look so bad. Well, Buffalo's going to get the money every week, no matter who they're playing, no matter where in the schedule the game is. They are the most popular team at the window this season. Okay. Buffalo's won. It's it's hard to set the number much higher than we're at 11 and a half. It, it, Think back to the, before the season. We thought Green Bay was going to be very good defensively. Mm-hmm. We thought they were going to be. Remember that game last year? They played, I think, at Kansas City. Rodgers missed the game because of COVID protocol, whatever that means, and Jordan Love went in. Yep. And they covered because their defense was so good against Kansas City. We've been baffled by how bad their defense is this year. We think that they still have a game in them, and we know Aaron Rodgers is great. I don't know how much higher the line can get, but to your point, if all the favorites win in the morning and all the favorites win in the afternoon, could we see 13? Maybe. I don't think there's a difference between 11 and a half and 12 and a half. No. But could we much. see 13? If the books have that kind of liability, I don't think it's impossible. Well, if you like Buffalo, bet them now. If you like Green yeah. Bay, wait till uh, kickoff. Uh, you're going to get the best number on that one. Um, any games in the NFL that uh, you've seen a lot of uh, – sharp money on or you got liability on big move today was the rams you know i think a lot of people were surprised to see them as a dog and debo samuel got ruled out for the 49ers this afternoon he's not going to play on sunday and i think if you watch the niners the last couple of weeks it's obvious why the organization wanted to transition to trey lance mm-hmm. everybody criticized them because shannon uh, grappolo almost had him in the super bowl and he did have him in the Super Bowl a couple years before that, but you can see why that front office wanted to move on. He's just so limited as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Niners have all this talent around him. Now Samuel's out. Rams off their bye week. I get it. We're at a pick em now. Rams definitely getting some sharp money there. Sharps bet Seattle. They always bet against the Giants. That's not really gone too well for them. No, this not this year. And they bet Denver. Denver, they were mm-hmm. taking three until we knocked it down to two and a half. Russell Wilson's in. I don't know if that's good or bad. He's doing squats on the plane, yeah, man. Well, that know. should really help. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, I, Rippon was awful awesome. on Sunday. Horrible. But the Jets are very good defensively. I mean, they're, they're a good defensive team. They're certainly much better than Jacksonville. Let's segue to the Jet game because i got to ask you, as bad as New England looked on Monday night, they come out a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um against the Jets on this, you know, four-game winning streak with the Jets. My thing about the Jets, I'm still not a believer of the Jets. I look at that four-game stretch uh, that they played, and who did they play that was good in there? Uh, Well, people would say at Green Bay, but Green Bay has been lousy. And then outside of that, nobody. You know, they beat 
the Steelers, that was the game that Trubisky got benched at halftime yeah. and Kenny Pickett came in. Then they played Miami without Tua. Um, and then the last two games. The Green Bay win at the time, you know, it had me looking and saying, hey, you know, that's a, maybe they are better than I thought. But then we saw Green Bay come back and get beat by Washington, who Washington has, you know, just been total trash all year. Uh, to lose to them, their stock obviously hit rock bottom. Uh, but then last week, Denver. I mean, can an offense be as any more inept that Denver's has been the could last a, few weeks, all season, really? Could a coach be any more inept? I mean, <laughs> what what is the new ownership waiting for? There's no way that Hackett is going to be their coach next year. I think they should get a jump start on it, but I, I'm getting off topic. The Jets... I, now that you, you mentioned those games to me, I'm thinking back to we've had wise guys bet against the Jets in every one of those games. Now, there was some sharp money on the Jets last week. There were dueling groups going back and forth in that Denver game. But all those other games, I saw all the sharp money come against the Jets. I saw it again this week. That's why that line has been pushed up to New England minus two and a half. Jets have some guys out, too. Yeah. Brees Hall's out. They lost one of their starting offensive tackles. No Corey Davis this week again. They got some key components on their offense hurt, and they don't have a lot of offense to begin with. With uh, the announcement of Mac Jones, do you guys have Jones and um, um, Zappy? Zappy, Zappy, yeah. Zappy happy uh, throwing the football to the wrong team (laughs) in there last (laughs) week. But how much of a difference do you do you guys have those two? I, you know what, I was at the uh, I was at the Knights game on Monday. Okay. Uh, so I, I I read about it. I heard about right. it. Um, at this point, from what everything I've been told, Jones would have to be considered better. Okay. And jo- Jones Jones got kind of like thrown aside so quickly. Yeah. This guy was the rookie of the year last year. He took them to the postseason last year. He yeah. was a Pro Bowl alternate last year. He got tossed aside. Like, just like that. Sounds like Zappy had a rude awakening in the second half against Chicago. Yeah. He came in first two first two drives, he went right down the field. I know. You know, I know. and I was like, oh, they're gonna pull this game out. Oh, yeah. And then it all fell apart no. after that. Yeah. And I would not want to be a player uh, on that New England team after that performance in Belichick this week in practice. You 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 know he uh, would have worked the hell out of them this week. And but. and you gotta give some uh, Something to the line of New England coming off that loss. Right. That was a catastrophic loss. Uh, New England, everything was set up for them to easily win that game. Belichick was going to pass George Hallis. Right. Uh, the Patriots had looked like they'd really turned a, uh, turned a corner the previous two weeks to get blown out by the Bears at home on Monday Night Football like that. Absolutely shocking. And I don't, I got to think that team is going to be very focused. And I heard J.C. Jackson was hurt in that game. Yeah. So, but the Jets are banged up. Yeah, I'm I'm on uh, I'm on New England, and that that'll be something I'll be talking about when we get to the best bet segment of the show. Uh, I like that one. Any other games in the NBA, NFL that stick out? Uh, I have seen some money come in on Washington. Uh, that was shortly after the Colts announced they were moving uh, moving quarterbacks from Ryan to Ellinger. I don't. Uh, we did go to three on the Bengals last night, and we heard we didn't really know that Jamar Chase. That kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was in a meeting yesterday and got a message that he was out four or six weeks. I didn't yeah. realize that. Chase is kind of the, he's the hub of what they do offensively. Absolutely. That's a very significant loss for the uh, Bengals. You know, he, he changes uh, coverages uh, because he's going to get the double team and everything else. Uh, when you talk about the Indianapolis game, 
they were dead to me after last week, so I, I, I don't want to look at them anymore. But now you make the coaching, or excuse me, you make the quarterback change. How do you set a difference of a number when you're going from a veteran quarterback that was playing as bad as you possibly could play mm -hmm. to an, a quarterback that has never taken a snap in the NFL yet? And, and a guy that the organization's never shown any confidence in. I mean, it seems like yeah. the Colts are always looking to find a quarterback outside the organization. I think you have to downgrade somewhat because Ellinger is such an X factor. We don't know what we're going to get from him. Washington has been lousy this year, but they are somehow on a two-game winning streak. And I actually believe that they're better now with Heineke in there instead of Wentz. Oh, I not, agree with you 100%. Not like, I'm um, not saying that it's a, a quantum leap here, but I think that the, I give them a little bit of a bump because I thought Wentz was so bad. Heineke can make some plays with his feet. I think he's a little bit – there's more he can do. So there was some money on Washington there. The other one, Houston. They like yeah. to bet Houston when they're at home. Mm -hmm. Houston, uh, we got we were we were like three and a half, four in that game at one point, and now we're on the other side of three. So Houston, we'll see. They're frisky when they're at home. The game last week, um, I said it in the last segment. I was there. The final score says 38 to 20. That was not a 38 to 20 game. No, last week. I agree with that. That was uh, a close game. The Houston had a lead in the second half. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I I had the Raiders. Uh, you know, maybe a little home cooking, just uh, pizza money. But I order big pizzas, so. <laughs> so you're saying that your your wager was large enough to cover a large order of pizza. Yeah, maybe even a in, this, in this economy. Yeah, yeah you know, food's expensive. Yeah, you know, I'm at the game, so you know, I had to do it and. Uh, <laughs> You don't have to do it. Now, well, you, now you sound like your friend Kelly that you're right <laughs> you know, you don't. You could just go to the game and you could just sit there. <laughs> I, I can't. I have to bet on it. Yeah, you have to. But you have to have I, some. You have to have something. But there, there are people out there that have self-control. Well, that's why they're yeah. pizza. That's why they're, right. they're pizza categories. But you know, that game was a sweat longer than it should have been. Do you have anything in college football that uh, you deem sharp or a big liability on? Eastern Michigan's real sharp side in college football. They're at home against Toledo. Uh, everybody's on USC. That looks to be the biggest public side. The other really public side is Ole Miss. Now, Texas A&M is a mess, an absolute mess. What's happened to them? I have no idea. Yeah. We, we thought we had them. Just outside that, that top group you had coming into the season mm -hmm. was obviously Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. We had AM just outside that group, if you think back to August. So just shocked by how bad they are. Ole Miss really public. I think it's terrible that Ohio State and Penn State are playing at 9 a.m. We, oh, we, we talked about yeah, that. Yep. I said that, that's a break for Ohio State. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I yeah. want to ask you a question. This is something that you know I've always done, but – when it is the Penn State whiteout game, that you know they they always have one game every year at night. Do you change the home field advantage at all from that game to not, like you say like a, a 9 a.m. game? No, not because it's the whiteout game, but because it's at night, you might give them a slight bump. I mean, I think that that's a very intimidating scene there in Happy Valley when they're all you in get the eighty thousand people in there and it's not easy getting in and out of happy valley yeah. i don't know how it ever got named happy valley because you're not happy trying to get out of there no that's an that's an awesome scene i don't know why yeah. it was uh, it sounds harsh but why was that wasted on minnesota yeah you know that that's a great great setup plus big noon saturday is a horrible name just terrible it uh, it awful. is a night i don't like it 
I'm superstitious. I try. Yeah. I have to really, really like a 12 o'clock game. Yeah. Uh, and then when I'm out here, I've been out here for how many years from Pittsburgh now. I still refer to the starting times on games by the East Coast time. Is that right? I, I still, I, no. you know, if I'm asking my buddy, hey, you guys going out for the 4 o'clock games? And they're going, 4 o'clock? <laughs> what are you talking about? We get so many people, not so many, but we get more people than you'd think that will ask, like, we got the times of the games on the board, and they'll ask if it's Eastern time or Pacific time. time. And I want to be like, what do you mean? Like, we're, like, we're in Nevada. It's, what are you talking about? I can't say that because I, I got to give the guest service. Right, yeah, customer service. But I'm thinking to myself, what? Yeah. Uh, now you'd be amazed how often that comes up. Right. I call them 9 a.m. games. I call them. I call the NFL 10 a.m. games. See, I, ha- I haven't I haven't crossed over to that. I, I, mean, I moved here in 07. Yeah. What did you think the first time uh, that you went to a game uh, or went to a bar, sports book, whatever, um, and you're eating chicken wings at 9 a.m.? I've always been working on, on those weekends. That was the weirdest part for me, but, uh, was adjusting. I, to me, the best part is the Monday night game is like 5.20 to 8. So when I was younger and I used to go out, I could go. I could watch the Monday night game at home and mm-hmm. then go out because it was still only like 8.30. I, I think that was great. But the beauty of 5 o'clock uh, starts for us for Monday Night Football is you're right in the middle of happy hour of all the bars. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. So oh, you got yeah, food specials, drink specials. That's, hey, I'm an advantage player. It's plus EV. No, I for agree us with that. With that so. yeah, I'm with you. I know. I, I like. I, I think the West Coast football sporting event times are way better than the East Coast. The only thing for me, you know, I'm a huge soccer fan. Sometimes I got to get up at like 4.30 in the morning for a soccer game. Oh, that's you know how many times I've got up for 4.30 for a soccer game in my 100, life? 100, 200? Zero. No. <laughs> no. Come Zero. On. I don't believe no, I'm not. I, no. even, though, even the World Cup. Even there. No, I, I just. That's an outrage. I can't, I can't wrap myself around. Uh, that's an outrage. Soccer. And I, the first year I was out here, it was during the World Cup. that. Yeah. So, and I was shocked at how much action was oh, going on in the books for soccer and it's like you know i guess it's uh, i'm closed-minded if i don't like it nobody likes it you know well this, this book will be packed when team mexico plays team usa yes but team mexico more i mean we'll be packed how it, about next weekend friday and saturday uh, the race side of the sports oh, book very good breeders you know, cup it actually benefits us that it's in keeneland instead of del mar because so many of our VIP guys will just go to Del Mar if, it, if the can Breeders' blame, Cup is. Can of, you blame oh, of course them? not. <laughs> I, that's like my dream trip, but I'm always working. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go. I mean, you know, you know how much I love Del Mar. Yeah. Uh, but it, it actually is better for our business that it's not in California. It's not at a California track because our big players mostly will be here in the room. All right, John. We appreciate you stopping by. That is John Murray, the executive director of the Superbook here at the Westgate. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, other s- bottom of the hour, we're going to have best bets. That's what you're waiting for. We're going to have Trevor Maddich. I'll have TC's plays. He gave them to me. Uh, we're not going to have TC, but I'll be reading them. We'll be back here on the TC Martin Show. Hey, everyone. This is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the TC Martin Show. Great to hear the the pipes from the Golden Knights there. As you could tell, uh, he let us know that you could hear a little bit of the uh, Star Spangled Banner behind us when uh, our fantastic 
guest John Murray was here. What what's some great information from him? I, yep. I love talking to him and finding out the, the the background of what's going on inside the Superbook here at uh, Westgate of Las Vegas. Welcome back to the TC Martin Show. Uh, here with co-host uh, Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. Uh, Great first uh, three segments. We only got one left to go. This day's went by pretty dang quick, and uh, get to see a little Golden Knights on the board now, and uh, just getting ready to get into that World Series game here in an hour and a half, right? Five, five fifteen start, yep. I think. So, um, but it is Friday. It is Football Friday, and we do have the best segment of the of the week coming up next, right? It is best bet time in. The guy that has been killing it. I gave him a lot of grief last year, and he is just doing outstanding so far. Let's welcome in Trevor Maddich. Trevor, what what happened this year? What? Uh... Well, Marco, I told TC that I sold my soul to Marco. <laughs> and so I'm not sure exactly what that means down the road. I think I might need to repent a little bit, but... Uh... I think that's what happened. You're right. You, you, guys, you guys crushed me last year. Um, I ended up finishing a couple of games below 500, and I feel terrible about that. But so far this year, everything is going really well. And it, it, you know, the matchups have turned out the way I expected them to be, and that's kind of the way that I pick games. You know, it's not necessarily by, by trends and things like that, but it's, it's how should the matchups play out if – both sides play somewhere near up to their level of capability, which, as we all know, doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't, but you've been doing it well. And, uh, Trevor, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the best bets. Uh, what do you got in college football? It's football Friday and time for the action. Here's the best bets. All right, so I'm going to start with Coastal Carolina getting two and a half points at Marshall. Marshall, last anybody noticed them, beat Notre Dame in South Bend. And so everybody thought, hey, Marshall's awesome. They're just incredible. But since then, they went 0-3 against FBS schools until they, they finally won a game last week and barely covered the spread. So Marshall has been a bit of a mess. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that, that Marshall is uh, favored in this game is because of what happened last week. I mean, they wouldn't beat James Madison at James Madison, but the thing about that was that James Madison had a whole bunch of injuries on the offensive line, and they kind of had a freak injury to their starting quarterback late in the weekend practice. So a freshman had to step in without having any practice with the first team all week. He ended up throwing four interceptions, and Marshall ended up beating James Madison. So a lot of people are thinking that Marshall, oh, man, look at that win over James Madison. Yeah, we're going to make them the favorite over Coastal. Well, Coastal is 6-1. And, and Grayson McCall, their quarterback, is a fantastic dual threat. Now, Marshall will run the ball well, but they don't throw the ball. They'll be one-dimensional. And I think the balanced offense of Coastal Carolina will be enough, uh, plus the two-and-a-half points, for goodness sake, for the Chanticleers to cover this one. Then I've got... Miami minus eight at Akron. Last week, I picked Akron to cover getting 18 and a half points, and they did. They didn't get blown out because I Akron was better than people were giving him credit for. But this time, I'm taking Miami and laying the points for the opposite reason. I think, I think Miami is actually a lot better than people give him credit for. Their starting quarterback, Brett Gabbard, missed six games. 
Then he came back last week and had a lot of rust and didn't do all that well, lost to Western Michigan. But now I think he's ready to roll, and Akron probably has the worst secondary in all of college football. And Miami has, or excuse me, yeah, Miami has a couple of wide receivers that transferred in from the Big Ten. Both of those guys, Mac Hippenhammer and Miles Marshall, have established themselves in the first two games when Gabbert was playing before he got hurt as being downfield threats. And I think that they will end up getting a lot of big plays that March or that Akron will be unable to stop. I like Miami in this game because of big plays in the passing game. And then, okay, the big one, Ohio State at Penn State. The Buckeyes are laying 15 and a half, and I like the Buckeyes in this one. There's a lot of conversation about how Penn State has played Ohio State close over the last five or six years. The last three games, Ohio State won, but only by an average of 11 points. But in this game, I think it's time for the Buckeyes to break out. Penn State, they gave up 418 yards rushing to Michigan. And I don't think it'll be that way in this game because the Buckeyes don't have as much speed in the wide receiver room, or excuse me, the running back room as a whole as Michigan does with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. But they don't need to rip off 60-yard runs all the time like the Wolverines did against Penn State when they played. All Ohio State's running game has to do is keep moving the chains and make the defense play honest. Because even though Penn State has two very good cover corners who are both going to the NFL, Ohio State has more pass catchers than they can cover. And there will still be multiple good receiving matchups for Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud to attack. This is the kind of a game that I think will be a lot like the Iowa game for Ohio State. I think Penn State will hang around for a while. And then even though Penn State's offense is a whole lot better than Iowa's, I think that Ohio State's balance on offense will eventually pull away and cover that 15 and a half. Good stuff, Trevor, on the college. Our buddy T.C. Martin's not here, but I have his plays. I will read his three best bets in college football. Then we'll get Gilby's, and I'll give uh, mine then after that. T.C. Martin in college. He's going with Arkansas. He's laying the three and a half against Auburn. Second play for TC is he is taking Oklahoma State plus one and a half against Kansas State. Kansas State's got some uh, injury issues at quarterback. And the last one, he is taking Wake Forest, laying the three and a half uh, at Louisville. That is TC's three plays, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest. Gilby, what do you got for us in college? Well, uh, college this week, I've got... Went down to one that I usually don't do, but I, I like Central Florida minus two versus Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's been playing above their head a little bit this season. Uh, Central Florida having a, had a pretty constant season so far this year. So I'm going Central Florida minus two over Cincinnati. Second game of the weekend that I like is uh, Syracuse minus two and a half versus Notre Dame. Although they did take a little tough loss last week against Clemson, I liked what I saw in Syracuse. Um, Notre Dame had, didn't cover against against the UNLV running Rebels last week. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Notre Dame so far this season. I like what I saw in Syracuse. I saw some heart, some, some fire, and although they, they did uh, turn the ball over too much to lose that game, I still, I still like Syracuse coming home and taking the two and a half and uh, winning this game at least by seven. 
And my last one, and I'm glad you touched on this earlier with uh, Ralph, I'm taking Kentucky plus the 12. Um, I think this is the total sandwich game. You know, it's thing. Everything points to this is. Uh, they're looking forward uh, to Georgia next week. I think they're probably going to undersell what Kentucky's bringing to the game. And as Ralph said, they got those two players back last week. I think it totally changes, kind of puts you back to where they were last year and how good they were. So I like the Kentucky plus the 12 points, double digits. I, I, I just think it's too good for the sandwich game to give up. All right. Well, I'm going to agree with you on one, and I'm going to disagree with you on one, and then I'll have the third one. Let's start with that Kentucky play. I agree with you. Uh, it's just, I just feel that uh, Tennessee, as uh, they get closer and closer to that undefeated season, they got that showdown next week with Georgia, too much. And I've always said, you give me the better defense getting points, I'm going to take it. I think that Tennessee will escape this game, but they're not going to cover the 12 points, so give me Kentucky. I disagree with you on the Syracuse-Notre uh, yeah. Dame game. This is what I'm looking at. You've got a ranked team playing an unranked team, and they're playing at home, and they're only minus two and a half. Uh, I wish I would ask John Murray when he was on here, are you begging everybody to take Syracuse <laughs> in this game? Right. Why is this line over only two and a half? I know it's Notre Dame and the big name Notre Dame, but in this is the thing. Notre Dame's four and three. They got a new coach this year. The three games that they lost, the first game was the Ohio State game, uh, and, but they played well in that game. They were supposed to lose it. They covered. They gave Ohio State a battle. The next week, they were flat. Uh, that's when they lost right. to Marshall. Uh, then the last loss was two weeks ago against Stanford. That Stanford loss came right after they were here in Vegas for the Shamrock Series game. If you were anywhere on the strip that weekend, it was a sea of green. It was. The Notre Dame backers were here in full force. That was a big game for Notre Dame. They had a letdown last week. I like Notre Dame to win this one. Uh, outright taking them plus the two and a half and my final play in college football same scenario north carolina they are a top 25 team they're playing my pit panthers why is this line only three they're begging you to take north carolina in this one north carolina that defense is horrible uh, granted they've had an extra week to prepare but I was against North Carolina with Duke two weeks ago. We got the money. I'm going against them again. I think Pitt will be able to move the football against this North Carolina defense, especially with the ground game. And once the ground game is working, it's going to open up everything else. Take Pitt plus three. That's my three plays. Let's head to the NFL. Trevor, give me your three best bets. Marco, don't you love it when the books beg you to take one side? They do the beg you. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like, well, they're begging me to take Tennessee minus two and a half at the Houston Texans. They're just begging it. Really? Tennessee's only laying two and a half? That's really weird to me because it seems like this game should be just a, a not easy, but certainly a comfortable win for the Titans. The Houston Texans defense is dead last in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. And Derrick Henry... When he plays against this team, tends to go off. And he's been going off in recent weeks. They've just decided to commit to him and let him pound. And I just don't think that the Houston offense will be able to keep up when the, the grinding starts and Derrick Henry starts to go off against this, this real weak rushing defense. I think that 
when you look at Mike Vrabel's team, they're 4-1 against the spread the last five games. That, that makes me feel better about this. But the matchup to me is the big deal. I, I think Derrick Henry is going to take over this game, and I just don't believe that Houston is going to have an answer. So give me Tennessee and lay the two and a half. All right, so Buffalo hosts Green Bay. Buffalo's laying 11 and a half. Give me the bills on this one all day long. Green Bay is a hot mess right now. Their quarterback is privately and publicly calling out the guys that he's throwing the ball to. And those group, that group is banged up right now. Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins. Uh, if they play, they'll be limited in what they can do. That's a real problem when you're going to have to keep up in what a, should be a high-scoring track meet at Buffalo. And it's going to be made that much more difficult because the offensive line of Green Bay won't be able to hear the snap count. That's a problem running and protecting uh, the passer. And their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, is also on the injury list. So there's all kinds of reasons why it should be very difficult for Green Bay to move the ball and score. Plus, look at this. The Bills love to blow you out. They love to break your spirit, not just beat you. What you have a lot of times is if a team goes out to a big league in the first half, they'll try to run the ball, take the air out of the game in the second half, and that kind of hurts you know, high-scoring needs if you've got the over or if they're laying a big number. But Buffalo doesn't do that. Buffalo's 2-0 and against the spread when it's double digits this year. They've already blown out a couple of teams, including the Tennessee Titans, and I think they will blow out Green Bay as well. You know, the defense – of Buffalo is number one in the NFL in yards per game allowed. The offense of Buffalo is number one in the NFL in yards per game gained. And I don't think Green Bay has an advantage over the Bills any place whatsoever. So I'll lay the 11 and a half with Buffalo. And then Denver, I love Denver because they're so reliably under. <laughs> they are one and six to the under this year. And it looks like their quarterback, Russell Wilson, will come back from injury and play, but I'm not sure if that's good or bad because he's got a torn hamstring that they're trying to get healed up. He's got a, a lat injury uh, on his throwing side, and that's a problem. And, you know, the lats, for people who don't know, that, that is what makes, you know, Gilby's uh, V-shaped frame when he takes his shirt off at the beach. You know, it's the lats right there, that big muscle on the side. And so uh, I just right. think that, they, yeah, there you go. Uh, there'll be pictures posted, I'm sure, Gilby. you got to put them up. The, uh, but I don't think that Denver's offense is going to be any better now than they've been in recent weeks. And in recent weeks, they've been absolutely abysmal. But Denver's defense is very good. Uh, Jacksonville's offense can do a lot better than it's been doing. I think it's underperformed. But I think traveling all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL in a game that Jacksonville won't be forced to air it out in because it's not like Denver's going to turn this into a track meet. I just think this will be a slow-moving game with two good defenses, one putrid offense, and one untrustworthy offense. So I'll take under 40.5. Hey, I can't argue with you. You're getting the job done this year, Trevor. Uh, T.C. Martin's plays for this week, he's got the New Orleans Saints plus the one-and-a-half against the uh, Vegas Raiders. He's got Philadelphia 
he's laying the 10 against my Steelers, and I can't blame him. Things are bad in Pittsburgh. And his third and final play, he is taking the Rams plus one and a half. Now, we did see that line has moved to pick with the uh, news on Debo Samuel. So uh, he's still got the Rams taking on San Francisco. Gilby, your three plays. Well, I'm right on his heels on that Rams pick. I'm telling (laughs) you, I saw this, and I was going, although the 49ers have always had, well, the last couple years, they've had the Rams number during the regular season. And uh, although the Niners are going to want to come back and play after losing to them in the NFC Championship game last year, I just thought that the Rams should have been favored in this game. I really did. I didn't see why. Great news that Samuels is out, so that makes makes my heart just feel a little bit better. I like the Rams on here I put them down at plus one my second one and this one just breaks my heart to do and I'm actually gonna take the Vikings being the Packer fan that I am it's tough to see me taking the Vikings by three and a half but Cardinals are actually uh, four and three against uh, the uh, ATS this year but this thing went from the opening line went from six and a half down to three and a half and I'm not sure why so anytime it really moves that way I like to take the side that everybody was going against so I'm not I'm liking the Vikings I don't like the hook on the three and a half I'd rather get them at three but um, unfortunately we're gonna have to take the Vikings uh, minus a three and a half and for my final game it's all about Belichick this week. I'm on the Patriots. I don't think they got their butts reamed in that locker room. Trevor, you've been in some locker rooms after you've taken a nice meat beating. You know those coaches aren't happy. I, I love I love when teams get embarrassed on a, on a big scale on a Sunday night, Thursday night game, or a Monday night game. Um, I think the passion gets back in there. I think I think he made a mistake by starting Jones last week and not starting Zappy. So uh, we'll see what Jones can come out of the uh, out of the tunnel with. I like the Patriots minus two and a half this week, making up for last week. All right, I'll start mine off with I agree with you on New England. We'll get that one out of the way. Everything you said, uh, I agree with, and uh, just the fact that. The Jets have done it with smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. You look at that four-game winning streak, as we said, uh, it's not good. They beat my Steelers. Uh, That's the game that Kenny Pickett came in at halftime. They beat Miami without Tua. And then, yes, they beat Green Bay. But as we're seeing, this Green Bay team is not what we thought they were. And then last week beating Denver, who can't, you know, fight their way out of a wet paper bag. I'm not impressed. Give me Belichick. I'll lay the two and a half. My second play, I'm going to go against Trevor. We're bucking horns here. Might have to have a sushi Uh-oh. bet. I am going with the Houston Texans plus the two and a half. You know I like to eat, Trevor. This is the sandwich of all sandwich games. You've got Tennessee coming off last week. They beat Indianapolis, and that was for the second time already this season. You're seven games, eight games into the season, and you beat the only team that you really felt had a chance to contend for the division title, and you already beat them twice. I think they're sitting fat and sassy. Even though this is another division game, it's kind of hard to get up for a team that's only got one win, and on paper looks like they got blown out last week. But as I've said several times, that game was much closer than the 18-point final. And guess who they have on deck next week? Tennessee has to play Kansas City. Uh Your sandwich between playing Indianapolis and playing Kansas City. They're going to look past this one. I think this is a trap game for them. I am taking Houston plus the points. And for my final play, 
I am going to go to the Monday night game. We've got Cleveland and Cincinnati. It's a home game for Cleveland. Monday night football. I swore that I was done betting <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they let me down a couple times this year, especially that Charger game when the coach just made some absolute bonehead decisions. That's a concern that he could do that again here. But this is a division game, and right now, the season's slipping away from Cleveland. They need to win this game, and they've got nothing to lose. And when I say that, that means they're going to take chances in the game. We know that Stefanski has done that several times this year uh, on fourth and twos and different uh, questionable decisions, bypassing field goals, uh, play calling, whatever he's done. That can work both ways. They can work sometimes, too. And I think when you're uh, free rolling because you have nothing to lose, you're sitting at 2-5, and five, you need to win the game, I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns plus the points on Monday Night Football. I'm not sold on the Bengals' defense. Chase being out. Yeah, yeah you've got Chase being out, uh, wide receiver for the Bengals. That's going to hurt this offense. And defensively, Cleveland is supposed to have success running the football right at Cincinnati. So we're going to take those three. Uh, for me, Houston, New England, and Cleveland on Monday night. Uh, that finishes up our best bet segment. Man, did the hour fly, Gilby. It sure two, did. It's been uh, two hours. It seems like we just started, covered a lot of games. Uh, appreciate all the guests that we had on today. Of course, you just heard from Trevor Maddich. Our fearless leader uh, trying to get to the World Series yep. game one TC Martin uh, Ralph Michael stopping by to help us out and of course uh, executive director John Murray being here uh, for the game uh, to talk the games with us and giving us some uh, good information behind the counter uh, Gilby what do you think we're here at the Superbook every Friday come down and join us live two to four but don't forget it's Monday through Friday. You can yep. catch the T.C. Martin Show. Also uh, follow it on tcmartinshow.com. Go back and check out those podcasts. Yeah, you can recap the week, get all of those uh, really good, interesting in, uh, interviews. And, of course, T.C. with all of his connections with the baseball world, uh, getting some good inside yeah. information for us, uh, help you with the baseball. Anything you'd like to add before we send it out? Well, Gilby. I'm just thinking it's going to be a great weekend. I mean, although I'm leaving, I don't get to watch the games because I'll be uh, I'll be looking at the bottom end of a cup too much. But um, World Series starts. You know, this is uh, sports Nirvana time. You know, you got all four sports playing: hockey, baseball, basketball, football, college football. You know, college basketball starts in ten days. You guys didn't even get to that. We did. You yep. Know, you know, so um, should be a real fun weekend. If you get down here to the Westbrook, uh, Westgate, please come down and see the guys on here at the Superbook. All right, that's it for Marco D'Angelo and Gilby the Intern. This has been the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. Live. Can you dig it? In the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get.
get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this marvelous Monday. And I guess a happy Halloween. Why do people say happy Halloween? I mean, it's not Merry Christmas. Would you rather say Merry Halloween? It's not Happy Thanksgiving. It's Felice Dead Day. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Day of the Dead. There you go. All Saints Day. (laughs) All Saints Day yesterday for the New Orleans Saints, right? They knew what was happening. Jeez. All right. Hour number two. Chuck Esposito is going to join us from uh, Red Rock. We'll uh, talk to him. Matt Holt joins us, our man from U.S. Integrity, doing his thing. We talk about betting. We talk about everything here. And uh, my man who is gallivanting around the country more than me, but uh, I think we're both station. We're stationary for right now in Las Vegas. Matt, what is happening, brother? TC, happy Halloween. It's not too stationary for long for me, headed uh Headed on the road first thing tomorrow morning to do some on-site education for Oklahoma, Kansas, and Kansas State Universities this week. Look at that. Are you going to be diagramming plays? You got got your board, your X's and O's. You going to help those coaches out because they need some help. No, no X's and O's, just integrity <laughs> stuff. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so there you go, man. All right, so you're you're rolling. Uh, maybe our paths uh, will cross somewhere in the air if I go back to Houston for games uh, six and seven. We'll have to uh, see how that goes. But uh, let's talk a little World Series, brother. A uh, lot of fun, you know, of course, being in that atmosphere. And uh, so I'm curious, you know, from your standpoint, from a betting standpoint, uh, we know that, uh, you know, that the, the Astros – uh, and as you well know, I mean, I'm sitting here on a 12 to one ticket, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. But after you know blowing game one, the five nothing lead, I, I was a little bit nervous. But the Astros did get it back, and they built another five nothing lead in game two, so that was good. We know that there was a lot of money on the Astros in both of those games at Minute Maid Park, and then tonight for game three, we see that the uh, the Astros are the favorite again, and money coming in on the Astros, 130 now up to 135. And uh, I'm curious, from a, a sportsbook perspective, from a, from a betting perspective here, uh, where's all that Philly money? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I just think that the Astros are that one team that's sort of bulletproof, TC, mm-hmm. from the betting standpoint. You know, all the Mattress Mac brings all of the novice betters over to the Houston side. And Houston's been the best team in baseball, in the at least in the American League, all year. Consistently, the Yankees had that red-hot start. But the Astros, I mean, the Yankees really started to fizzle. The Astros pulled away. And at the end of the day, nobody really thought Philly was going to be here. And I think today's a really good indication where the Phillies' bullpen's really strong. Aaron Nova and Wheeler have been great. But now you get to these games where you're starting Noah Syndergaard, and that's where we're seeing the the, the matchup and and pitching depth of the Houston Astros, their advantage really come into effect. Lance McCullers, I mean, this line opened up minus 115 for Houston, and we're already seeing minus 135s out there today, TC, as the money is just pouring in on the Astros today, who, to your point, have built 5 nothing leads, 
in both games one and games two. Only four teams to do that, and the Astros uh, did that in games one and two. Here's one for you, Matt. You mentioned about where this line opened at with Houston 115 basically here in Nevada, but there were a couple overseas books, and I was blown away when I saw this, but they opened Philadelphia minus 108. And I wow. could not. Yes, and I said this is you know, this has got to be wrong. And then doing some research and some homework, it, it was. I mean, there are a couple very prominent uh, overseas books that had Philly the favorite in this game, and I'm just you know, blown away because we were sitting here talking, and uh, we had talked about this last week with uh, you know both of our mutual friends, uh, Dave Koken. And Koken and I were sitting there talking last week. You know, we could hardly wait to get to game three because what's Rob Thompson going to do? He's going to trot out Ranger Suarez or Nora Syndergaard. And we're sitting there going, you know, just I can hardly wait for this match. I don't care if the game's in Philadelphia or not. We'll take McCullers. We'll take Javier in games three and four against these guys. What happens is, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, Philly and, you know, Nola and, and, and Wheeler. And as I pointed out, you know, both these guys have been hit in the past, especially by the Astros. And they got raked in games one and two. So if Nola and Wheeler, your top two guys, got ripped by the Astros, what do you think is going to happen when you have this huge drop-off You know, with Syndergaard and Suarez? And here's the thing, Matt. It's like, first of all, you know, Suarez has been their number three guy, but I think Rob Thompson is going, well, shoot, look at the Astros against left-handed pitching, right? I mean, there's something ridiculous like, what, 46-12 and 12 during the course of the regular season. Okay, let's, let's put him back. Let's go Syndergaard. Well, Syndergaard comes in here, and I feel bad for this guy because he doesn't know what his role is with this team. I think this guy is a mental mess right now. Rob Thompson has no idea what to do with him because, check this out, he came in relief in his last appearance. He was actually the fifth pitcher. In a game, he came in in the sixth inning and uh, in the last round, he pitched an inning and a third, gave up two hits, no strikeouts, and then that was against San Diego, and against Atlanta, he actually started game four against the Braves in the division series. He went three innings, got yanked, and gave up a home run. Uh, He was pulled, and then you look at him, he's had appearances in, in, in game two of that same series where he's in relief, came in in the eighth inning, pitched one inning. If you look at the post-game celebration uh, where they got to the World Series, this guy is being interviewed, and he just seems like he's uh, he's out of his realm because, I mean, he wasn't, like, really with a lot of the guys. And he goes, yeah, it feels still kind of strange being here. You know, I'm mean, used to be with the with the Mets, and now I'm over here, you know, with the, with the Phillies. And then I had this stop with, with the Angels. And I don't think he knows where he fits in. And Rob Thompson clearly doesn't. I mean, this is Noah Syndergaard. Sure, he's not the same guy he was in 2015, 2016. I get that. And he's had, you know, some arm injuries. But this guy has been thrown all over the place. And he's relief. And when Rob Thompson's saying, hey, we'll probably go maybe three or four inches with this guy. I mean, you got to be lighting up if you're Houston. Yeah, and I was a little bit surprised in that that one start in Atlanta. I know he had already pitched in relief, but the the one run he gave up in that start was on a solo homer. I actually thought he pitched really well. Three strikeouts, no walks, one solo homer allowed. Um, But, of course, Philly seemed to know what they were doing because their bullpen stood up again, as it has throughout the entire playoffs. Their bullpen has been really strong, including in both these games against Houston. 
their bullpen after surrendering five run leads has come in and played has been exceptional and it's been exceptional all year and all through the playoffs and that's why the Phillies are here clutch hitting from Kyle Schwarber clutch hitting from Bryce Harper and an amazing bullpen but they're really going to need it TC to your point if the most innings that Noah Syndergaard has gone in the postseason is three and of course we've seen that he's had three appearances the most he's gone is three innings. And we're going to get to the bullpen quick tonight if history is any indicator of the future. And we're probably going to get to the bullpen quick in game four as well. I just wonder if that bullpen, who's been amazing in the postseason, doesn't start to get a little bit gassed out. And you're right, Matt. They have been amazing in the postseason. They've been good. But I don't know about you, but I still remember this Phillies bullpen for being downright awful during uh, the regular season and a majority of the regular season as well. And I don't know if it's just matchups or maybe you get light hitting Atlanta and San Diego in, in, in St. Louis in this situation. I don't know. But, I mean, you're facing the Astros. If the Astros are banging around your top two starters in NOLA and Wheeler, I mean, Philly doesn't scare me at all. And they don't scare the Astros at all, whether it's starting pitching or relief pitch. They just do not have that one guy in the bullpen that just says, oh, my goodness, we're afraid to to face this guy. And let's remember, this is – talk about Rob Thompson. You know, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, Alvarado's been the closer. Eflin's been the closer. Alvarado comes in in the fifth inning. This team is, is a mess when it comes to that. Now, granted, they've put up some good numbers – but do you really trust them? Because, like I said, what they've been in the regular season. Yeah, I think that they've gotten some unexpected pitching from, like, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's been in seven games in the postseason so far and has 18 strikeouts and no walks, and has just been absolutely unbelievable. They've just got some performances from a couple of guys this postseason who have been unworldly. But you're right, it doesn't necessarily match what they're – their regular season expectations is I just wonder, can Dominguez keep it up? Cause he has been the stud for them coming in game after game, striking out batter after batter, not walking a batter and not giving up many hits. Matt Holt joins us from us integrity. And we're talking a little world series action here, Matt, obviously weather is a big issue for tonight's game. And uh, it started off like, okay, we're going to get this game in. It's only 40% chance. And now the tarps on the field, Major League Baseball is coming out saying, hey, we're going to give you a report. Now they're already talking about uh, maybe, you know, moving this game and now saying we're still going to have a travel day. So they're already having talks that this series could be extended a day. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And it's been tough in the postseason. They haven't gotten a lot of great series to begin with MLB. You know, then there was that long break before the World Series started where a lot of people were saying, you know, why don't we move this thing up? Why are we finishing on Monday, waiting all the way till Friday to play game one? How about if we give them a travel day and start early? And that gives you a little more flexibility if there ends up being weather issues. Of course, MLB didn't do that. They stuck with the original schedule of Friday. And now after the long break, we're having weather issues and yeah, I mean, we could certainly be into, you know, this could be next weekend and we're still talking about the World Series going on. I know, because games six and seven were slated for next Friday and Saturday. That could get pushed back. And this was my fear, too, when we talked about this at the beginning of the season, when we had the CBA and we had the lockout and all this other kind of stuff and delaying the season a week, 
And this is, you know, everything gets pushed back. I mean, nobody wants to see baseball in November. And especially when you're dealing with these East Coast teams. Now, obviously, Houston's not affected because you got good weather in Houston. You've got the roof, the retractable roof. You got that. But, you know, we saw it with the Yankees last week. We saw it with Philly last week. Now we're seeing it with Philly, you know, tonight. And it's, this could be a problem. It could be a nightmare. And it's just funny how quickly things change because the first report that I saw uh, yesterday and early this morning, I was like, hey, unseasonably warm weather here in Philadelphia. It's going to be really nice. It's like in the 60s. And now all of a sudden, boom, just like that, oh, it's rain. And now it goes just from hour to hour. It's like, okay, well, looks like we're going to get a postponement. Yeah, they're going to have to do something. I mean, the solution's been simple for MLB for years now because he can't start the season earlier because the same East Coast cities still have snow. It's always been to shorten the season from 162 games to around 144. But the owners don't want that. Uh, They don't want to give up that gate revenue from the extra 18 games. And because of that, we start in snow and end in snow. Uh, And that's really unfortunate because, I mean, there was probably a time when 162-game regular seasons made sense. It does not anymore in 2022. And it's becoming really problematic. No doubt. All right, we'll keep an eye on We'll let you know what happens uh, with Game 3 of the World Series if it does get played tonight. But let's talk some football, Matt, over the weekend. Been talking a little bit about the Raiders' a dismal performance from yesterday. The Saints win 24 to nothing. Uh, wrong team was favored in this game, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And look, for the first time all season, the vast majority of sports books lost. We've heard a couple of books say, oh, it wasn't the best day. And they have had a record-breaking year. So nobody should feel bad for the sports books here. But they got mauled yesterday. I mean, all the popular teams won. The Cowboys won. The Patriots won. Miami came back and won. Minnesota won and covered. Now, Buffalo won, covered, pushed some numbers, you know, lost some by a half a point, but covered every teaser. San Fran, everybody's favorite team since they got McCaffrey. San Fran won. I mean, the Seattle won, Every, Tennessee won, everybody won yesterday that the books didn't need. Um, it ended up being a really good day for the betters yesterday and a tough day for the books and an embarrassing day for the Raiders, who they haven't been shut out since, what, I think 14 years? That was terrible. Yeah, the downright awful when you put up a zero on the board, especially when you're, you're thinking, okay, you've turned the quarter here a little bit. But it just goes to show you that this franchise still is – it's it's a mediocre team at best, and I know that people are going to be calling for you know Derek Carr. Hey, this guy's making thirty five million dollars, and he still you know cannot lead this team. And it's not on Carr's fault, but so many question marks. I mean, offensive line. Uh, you know, what are you doing with Devonte Adams? The guy has one catch yesterday, and we know the defensive has just been a sieve, and they were a sieve again yesterday. I mean, heck, they made Andy Dalton look good yesterday, but the, nothing has changed. And then when you look at Darren Waller. You give Darren Waller a big contract. Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball, he gets a big deal. Hunter Renfro hasn't produced, really hasn't even been on the field that much. I mean, I know Raider fans are going to, you know, always defend their team, but you got to look at this franchise here and say, what are they doing with the the decisions they're making to hire their hiring the head coaches and then you know, extending these contracts. And then you got a guy like Josh Jacobs, who's probably the only guy who's really outperforming his contract right now. And they go, nah, we're not going to extend you. Yeah, it's tricky. And I'll tell you, I think 
what we're learning a little bit in, in the NFL is that some guys are great coordinators and other guys are great head coaches and that the two don't mix anymore. And Josh McDaniels has been an amazing offensive coordinator. His offenses that he's a coordinator for are successful year in and year out. But this will be his second consecutive stint as a head coach that turns into a dud. I mean, what is he going to go running back to Bill Belichick next year again in the Patriots after after the Raiders fire him for massively underperforming? This is a guy who is his track record now as a head coach is absolutely terrible. And the Raiders right now, if you look at it, the Raiders are clearly, when considering their preseason expectations to what's happening on the field, the Raiders are the biggest disappointment in the NFL, period. That is a bold statement. You know, going back to the betting side yesterday, Matt, uh, you know, according to my calculations, I believe the favorites were like nine and four yesterday. Does that sound uh, about right or somewhere around there? But I mean, you say it was a great day for the books, but you know, the popular no, teams great lost. Day for the betters. Yeah. Oh, great day for the betters. There you go. Exactly. Great day for the betters. Exactly. You know, when the favorites cover, that usually is the case as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And the favorites covered most. And a couple of those spots where the favorite didn't cover, like Buffalo, they cover every money line and every teaser. So it's not like these favorites were losing some games to bail them out of some spots. All those big money line parlays, I can't begin to count the amount of big money line parlays there were yesterday with Buffalo, Dallas, and Philly. And, of course, they all get home. When you're the books, you just need one of those big dogs to go down. When one of them goes down, it kills all those parlays. You make plenty of money. You don't care that the rest of them win. But when they all win and the parlay accumulation adds up, it could be a tough day, and the books took it on the chin yesterday. So the Buffalo Bills open around a nine, nine-and-a-half point favorite. If you bet them early, you got there. They beat Green Bay last night 27-17. to 17, But this line went to as high as 11. I even think it might have even tipped 11-and-a-half in a couple places. I think it settled in about 10-and-a-half or 11. But the Packers, I guess, get a backdoor cover there with that late touchdown. 27-17, the final score with the Bills yesterday. So, uh, you know, again, we saw the line movement there. I mean, that, that could have been uh, another one there if the Bills would have covered. That's right. And to your point, a lot of the early bets on the Bills ended up winning. Every teaser on the Bills gets there, yeah. all the money line parlays. Uh, yeah, it was a tough one for the books, although they did pretty good in college football. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, when you look at this Buffalo-Green Bay game yesterday, I mean, the Packers – at three and five right now, continue to slide. Buffalo still still clearly looks like the class of the AFC, and we all firmly believe it'll probably come down to Buffalo in Kansas City. Uh, give me some thoughts as you're watching the Packers and the Bills last night. You know what? Football goes in trends. You know, remember a decade ago, it was cool to run the Wildcat, and it just seems to go in trends. And for a while, the trend was get an experienced quarterback like a Tom Brady who could stand back there and throw the ball within three seconds, get the ball, throw the ball, get it out of your hand quickly. And everyone was doing that. And then of course the league, like it always does adjusted to that. And what we're seeing now is these older stationary quarterbacks, Tom Brady having a terrible year, Aaron Rodgers having a terrible year and the records of their teams reflect that there's two, there's things that they all have in common, all these underachieving veteran quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Number one, they eat up too high of a percentage of salary cap for their teams. But number two, 
the league has shifted to right now in the NFL, the new trend is offenses that are having more success have mobile quarterbacks that can extend the play, which allows them, A, to throw the ball downfield more because they can extend the play a little longer, and B, avoid pressure. Buffalo, Josh Allen, uh, Kansas City, Philadelphia, the only undefeated team, Jalen Hurts is mobile. The mobile quarterbacks are having a lot more success and those immobile veteran quarterbacks across the league, it's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's not just Tom Brady. It's that prototype, stand-in-the-pocket veteran quarterback who wants to get rid of the ball quickly. They're having trouble because even when they're completing passes, defenses are really well-equipped all of a sudden to keep the guy in front of you and tackle him three yards down the field. That's what we're seeing Teams of mobile quarterbacks winning. Teams of them mobile quarterbacks' offense is really struggling. Speaking of struggling, no one's probably struggling more than the Rams right now. And I know that a lot of people thought, okay, hey, maybe this team could, uh, you know, go back to back. And we know it's it's virtually impossible for any team to go back to back in any sport these days. But especially the National Football League, uh, the Rams lost a couple big time wide receivers. You know, this past year, and then it looks like besides Cooper Cup, they're not getting anything from that position. And then, of course, Matt Stafford looks like the Detroit Lions' Matt Stafford now. Matt, they did not score yesterday from the six-minute mark of the second quarter on. Nothing in the third, nothing in the fourth. They were ahead 14-10. to uh, Niners got a field goal before halftime, made it 14-13. to All San Francisco in the second half – and if you you know want to buy into the the theory, which you should, that you know San Francisco owns the Ram, who's your daddy? It is the Niners. I mean, granted the Rams beat them in the playoffs last year, but regular season, San Francisco has dominated them, and that was not more evident than what we saw yesterday. What I don't understand, TC, is is the offensive game planning by the by the Rams. If they don't throw the ball to Cooper Cup, I mean, that's all they do. And teams are dialing in on it. I saw three different passes watching that game yesterday where Matthew Stafford never looked anywhere besides Cooper Cup. And in those three instances, Cooper Cup had three guys on him. I mean, look at the targets. Cooper Cup has 84 targets this year. The next closest wide receiver has 30 targets, TC. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup has three times more targets. We're talking about a team that went out there and got Allen Robinson, and it's supposed to have a really diverse uh, wide receiver set. You have Allen Robinson, and Cooper Cup has three times more targets than him, and this is a guy that's playing every game in Allen Robinson. They haven't had a, a starting wide receiver miss a game, yet all they do is throw the ball to Cooper Cup, and they're so easy to defend. If I'm a defense, I'm just like, put four guys on Cooper Cup, and it doesn't matter. Stafford will try to throw there anyway, and he'll throw an interception. And it's funny because even on, like, second or third in short, they continue to throw the football. I mean, this team had 56 yards running the football yesterday, only 167 through the air. The Rams, the Rams had a total of 223 yards yesterday. I mean, it's downright dismal, but it's just funny. If you, like, watched the first half of this game or just saw an update and then you saw the final score, you're going to go, what happened? Oh, they must have had four or five turnovers. That wasn't the case. It was just like you said, the wrong decisions when it came to play calling. I mean, this team was three and out, three and out, three and out, over and over again. 
bad passes. Again, just targeting Cooper Cup only. And the Niners just, I mean, they just dominated them without the Rams really giving the ball away. And they have 479 yards rushing TC through seven games. <laughs> That's 70 yards rushing a game. This is for a team that was one of the more uh, balanced attacks in the NFL. I mean, Nick Vey was always known as running the football, a 50-50 guy in a league where most teams are throwing 58 to 60% of the time. He would run 55% of the time. Hard to do that when you're only averaging 68 yards a game on the ground. No question. Matt Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Matt, you mentioned uh, the college football real quick. Uh, give us some thoughts on what you saw on Saturday. Look, at the end of the day, all I heard on these broadcasts on game day was how there was only a 26% chance uh, that all the big seven there survive. Yet here we are again with another week with all seven teams surviving undefeated. Absolutely amazing. This is the more pandemonium than I've ever seen in terms of, I think at this point we could feel pretty confident that the SEC is going to get two teams in, that the winner of Ohio State, Michigan is going in, and that Clemson's going in if they don't lose and their schedule's pretty manageable. They're going to be a significant favorite in the rest of their games. So where does that leave any room for parity all of a sudden at the end of the season here? Are we just watching these games for the fun of it, TC? I don't know. I mean, you know, you say that maybe, okay, there, there is any parity, but we still are seeing, you know, some of these teams that are, are shocking some of these teams and none more uh, present than what we saw Saturday with K-State blasting Oak State, who is number nine in the country. And, you know, Oak State, remember, was in the conversation last year of getting to the playoff, and they had that last-second loss to Baylor. And Oak State looks pretty darn complete. They got zero against K-State last week, 48 to nothing. Oak State, like I said, came in here number nine, Matt. So, I mean, you got stuff like that. You know, we see Ohio State struggle for maybe two and a half quarters. Then all of a sudden, boom, they explode over Penn State. But I was shocked how long Penn State hung around that game. Yeah, I was. Too. You know what was amazing about that game, TC, is Penn State was up with 849 to play in the game, yes. 21 to 16, yes. and had to backdoor cover plus yes. 15 and a half. How yes. does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, I think that is pretty darn cool that if it does come down to these two teams, because really, it really hasn't been that meaningful with these two teams coming down to that, that final game where they're going to face off uh, with something you know meaningful. And these this could come down to maybe you know maybe one against two or one against three. Currently, Michigan is number four right now, or maybe two and three. You know, if Georgia keeps on winning, but this Michigan team they look like they're for real. Yeah, and I'm really excited. I'm starting to pull for Illinois. At this point, it looks like they're going to end up in the Big Ten championship. But good for them. This is a team that has absolutely been the doormat in the Big Ten in football for so long. Uh, assuming nothing goes absolutely crazy here at the end, Illinois will end up in the Big Ten title game. And, of course, they're going to be a three-touchdown underdog in the Big Ten title game, which says something about the way the Big Ten is set up. But good for Illinois in getting back to the Big Ten title game for the first time in as long as I can remember. No, Line I 7-1 right now 
really uh, doing a job too. And again, you know, a couple other teams don't sleep on TCU, number seven in the country. You know, they continue to win, and not only win, I mean, they're putting up points as well too, which uh, I am a little bit surprised. We know TCU has always been known for a strong defense, but remember they went through a coaching change. Got Sonny Dykes over there, who basically has been all offense and no defense. So it, it, all of a sudden now in Horn Frogland, we're seeing these guys score 40-plus. They're doing it week in and week out. I got a bet for you that I've seen at two places, TC, that I think has a little bit of value. North Carolina to win the ACC championship game at 5-1. to one. So at this point, they're basically a lock to get in the ACC title game at 4-0 and in conference. All the teams behind them on their side have at least two losses. So that means in order for you not to have value, they would have to be more than plus 500 against Clemson. I think against Clemson, they're probably plus 10.5, which would make them around plus 280, plus 300. So I actually think plus 500 on North Carolina to win the ACC, which is basically you're getting double the real odds uh, of what they'll be against Clemson. It's a pretty gosh darn darn good value. Mm, I will say. All right, before we let you go, uh, hopefully we have two games tonight. We have a World Series game, and then we got Monday Night Football. Quick, who do you like? Houston, Philly tonight. If that game goes, uh, you know, if it doesn't get rained out, and then Cincinnati and Cleveland in the Monday Night Football game. Look, love Houston like everybody else, but gosh, it's starting to get a little pricey, TC. I don't think anybody likes the Phillies tonight. That always scares me when the whole world's on one side, and I love the Browns tonight at home. No Jamar Chase for the Bengals. That takes away a big weapon. Even when he doesn't have monster games, he pulls a lot of attention from those defenses. I think missing Jamar Chase, bigger Bigger loss than people anticipate. I think Cleveland steals one on Monday Night Football. All right, Matt. Great stuff, my man. I appreciate the time, as always. Look forward to talking with you real soon. All right, TC. Best of luck tonight, my friend. Take care. Go Strohs. There you go, Strohs, baby. And uh, safe travels, brother. All right. Chuck Esposito is going to join us. When we come back, we'll get his perspective on how the books did, how the players do, and we'll preview tonight's action, both baseball and football. All right, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. The doctor, T.C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Well, I can only imagine what this is here. Since I'm not the real big Halloween guy... I'm guessing this is something to do with Chucky. Am I right? Well, let me ask our next guest. Maybe he knows, since his name is Chucky. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. What's going on, Chucky? I'm all good, T. Yep. I see a couple years ago. Jason and I were Jason and Chucky on our podcast, so (laughs) names were rather fitting on Halloween, but... uh, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. You know. How, how do you feel about Halloween, Chuck? I'm good with it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I enjoy the holidays. You know, having having three kids and stuff. Uh, it's always been kind of kind of fun and uh, being able to dress up as Chucky. It's just uh, it's just fitting. Now, know? is that what you were doing? Were you dressing up as Chucky back in the day? I think I was the original Chucky. Whoa, know? this is true. That's it. <laughs> Oh, there's some breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. The real Chucky, please stand up. There he is. 
Oh, that's funny. Man. What uh, what's your go-to so is that your go-to costume or were you were you a costume guy did you when you took the kids out I mean what were you doing I I I've had you pegged for maybe dressing up in a Blackhawk you know uniform or maybe a Phil Esposito or something like that you know with a mask I I think it just varied based on kind of what my uh, when my kids were younger what uh, uh what their kind of theme of the day was if it was, you know, Star Wars or something else, just kind of capitalizing on that. But uh, it is fun, you know, for the kids, and I know they enjoy it. And uh, um, But, you know, Chucky was uh, kind of that go-to costume, I think, because, again, it just was kind of fitting. See, yeah, yeah. See, I, I could tell you probably – I don't now, see, I have, I have a daughter. Okay, so I had a daughter, so my mine got skewed a little bit different direction, you know, especially when she was younger. Probably my best costume, <coughs> when she dressed up as Belle – and I was the beast, and that that was that was. I like it. Yeah, see, that was wait, strong. Wait, wait, yeah. The beast is hairy. Well, I had a costume. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I, I had the beast costume. I like it. Yeah, see, <clears throat> I like it. There it is. I like it. Oh, we used to dominate those contests back in the day. All right. Uh, speaking of liking it, how much did you like seeing the Raiders get drilled yesterday? Jeez, what was that, you know, Chuck? It's not that I like seeing him get drilled, T. Um, I, mean, I think yesterday was one of those days where if you looked at all of our kind of big decisions for the day, um, we needed the Jets against the Patriots, didn't get there. We needed the Lions against the Dolphins, didn't get there. We needed the Bears against the Cowboys, didn't get there. We needed the Texans against the Titans, didn't get there. We needed the Giants against the Seahawks, didn't get there. Those were like our five or six biggest decisions, not including needing the Saints big time, straight parlays, money lines, and needing it under big. And we got kind of all four of those, which really was kind of a a game saver for the day. Um, Am I a Raiders fan? Absolutely. But from our side of the counter, sometimes we need them not to cover. In this particular case, with a low spread, they were bet heavily. Um, And it really was, you know, a, a huge kind of positive outcome for us, just like kind of finishing the day with so much live stuff dumping into Buffalo, having Green Bay score that late touchdown and, and cover there as well. Those are the two games that, that really kind of changed the complexion of the day, but nothing was bigger um, than, than having the Raiders lose outright um, for parlays, money line, straight, and, of course, keeping it under. All were kind of paramount, uh, keeping us in the black for the day. Yeah, I was going to say, I can imagine a lot of people probably betting the over in that game as well, too. And, of course, it went way under. If we look at favorites, uh, Chuck, what, 10 favorites covered on the NFL weekend. We still got one game to go uh, tonight. And usually that means, hey, that's a great day for the players uh, when the favorites cover. But it sounded like I said you had some games that went your way. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, some of the trends you're hearing industry-wide is that it was a really good day for the players. I think our market, um, just being a local's market and the way that um, the public and our guests bet the Raiders kind of was, again, the, the game saver for us. Uh, no question, there's a lot of liability that's uh, dumping into tonight's game. Um, the weather could be a factor tonight. 72% of the tickets are on Cincy right now. Um, 67% of the tickets are on the over. We know they still have Higgins and Boyd and Mixon. Um, of course, Chase is out for a few weeks. But um, it's a kind of a Cincy team that seems to be kind of peaking at the right time. Uh, so we're Browns fans. However, it is in Cleveland. It's Halloween night. Um, so, hey, I'll, I'll take our chance with the Browns tonight. 
Um, but we're, we're clearly going to be rooting for the home team. Got a lot of orange in that game there, Chuck. You know, got orange versus orange. Uh, just a bit. Just a bit, Steve. Just a bit. And then you got a little Astros orange if that game goes too in Philly. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. But back to this uh, this game with Cincinnati and Cleveland uh, tonight. You know, the Browns obviously have been a, a major disappointment. And you're right, Cincinnati has come up big. Uh, and it looks like they're starting to get things, you know, together. But, you know, when you look at this Browns team, I mean, they've played some some pretty close competitive games. Uh, what, in three of the last four games have lost by, by three points or less. And uh, this this team is kind of a, a little bit of a, a quagmire, I guess, so to speak. And I, I can see where people may want to play the Browns in this situation uh, because of Jamar Chase. Uh, you mentioned, though, that you you know the Cincinnati still got some weapons, but both teams do have some injuries here. Yeah, it seems kind of trending the the opposite way. Uh, Bengals being four and three and have won two in a row. Uh, Cleveland at two and five. They've lost four in a row. But I think more importantly, T, with this being you know week eight, this is their this will be their fifth home game. Um, so even with you know Watson potentially coming back later in the season, they're going to have you know more road games than they do home games. Um, so this becomes kind of a, a big game for them. I think you look at the emergence of teams like the Jets and Dolphins, both above 500. Um, you know, the, the fact that Bengals and Ravens are playing well, the Bills, Chiefs, Chargers. Um, there's still going to be a team or two that, with the ex- extended playoff format, makes it as a wild card team that maybe is 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight and nine. Um, But I think this is a huge game for Cleveland. I think it, at 2-6 and six, it becomes a, a real long shot. At three and five, and, and having the Bengals drop to four and four, I think they're still in the division. I mean, Ravens are only five and three, although they're getting some help, and they made that big trade today for Roquan Smith from the Bears, getting some help back on defense. Um, but I think it's a, it's a it's a much bigger game for Cleveland today uh, than it is for Cincy winning tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, Cleveland's played their three of the last four games uh, lost by a, a field goal or less, despite losing four in a row. We'll see what happens tonight as the Browns will host the Bengals in that rivalry. Uh, Chuck, when we look at uh, talk about disappointments, I mean, man, the Rams uh, lose to the 49ers again, and it's the way they lost the game yesterday. I mean, they got off to a pretty good start. San Francisco throws a little trick play. We see what Christian McCaffrey does. You know, uh, t- uh, receiving touchdown, throws a touchdown pass, a rushing touchdown. Uh, he is going to be such a big difference maker for the 49ers, and not just – you know, because he left Carolina to go to San Francisco. But this is a guy that's still in his prime, and I think he's going to be a little rejuvenated coming back to the same area where he played his college ball at Stanford. And, uh, you know, two weeks with Christian McCaffrey, he's been fantastic. But it's the way the Rams lost, where they didn't score a single point after the six-minute mark of the second period yesterday. They had a lead at 14-10, to 10, never scored again. And the Niners just drilled him in the second half and just, you know, the, the pass-happy Rams. I mean, they looked pathetic yesterday. Well, it's not the same Ram team. I don't know if it's part Super Bowl hangover or what, um, but, you know, they, they you know with the situation surrounding Akers, they haven't been able to run the ball as well. Um, even the, you know, signing Allen Robinson in the offseason, Van Jefferson getting a little bit healthy. Um, Higby's been hurt. He got hurt again yesterday. It's really Cooper Cup or bust offensively. Um, defensively, they've been okay, not quite as stout as they were last year. Um, so, you know, there's still a lot of time left. I think when you look at the 
the NFC. When you can say that, hey, the Rams are three and four, the Niners four and four, the Packers three and five, and the Bucks three and five, I don't think any of us saw that coming um, through week eight. <clears throat> On the flip side, although the Niners are only four and four, um, for me, and somebody asked me this earlier today, if you were picking the two teams to be in the Super Bowl, who would you pick today? And I, I think it's an overwhelming Buffalo Bills in the AFC. Um, although Kansas City, I'm sure, is not going to be afraid to have to go to Orchard Park and, and play up there if it works out well um, that those two teams meet each other. But although they're only 4-4, four and four, I still think if the Niners are healthy and you add McCaffrey to that mix with, with Debo and, uh, and Ayuk, and, and Kittle um, and, and a defense like that, I think you can make a case that they're going to have their chance to possibly play in the NFC title game. Now, I know the Eagles are undefeated, and I think every week that I expect them to come back down to earth a little bit, um, Jalen Hurts continues to impress me. Um, the play calling's phenomenal. A.J. Brown has been great. It doesn't matter if it's Goddard. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, somebody seems to emerge. They make the trade for Quinn, which wasn't a weakness, just becomes even more of a strength now on the edge. So the Eagles are really, really good, too. But if I wasn't taking one of the two teams that lead the conference or are the favorite right now, for me, the Niners would be on that short list to potentially be playing in Arizona in February. I'm with you. I mean, the Niners are healthy now. And you mentioned Kittle. I mean, he's healthy. Uh, Samuel, I mean, they're, you know, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play the way he's playing, I love the Niners. But I'm going to throw something out here, too. And this is going to, you know, sound a little bit crazy. But, you know, the Eagles, no one really expected them to be doing this. But when you look at the way they're playing, it's been fantastic, Chuck. But this team could, this sounds crazy, but they actually could run the table or come close to running the table. They're undefeated right now, but look at this schedule that they got coming up. And let's just go down the list and, and, and give me a quick take. All right? So next week, they got the, they've got the uh, they've got the uh, the Commanders, okay? No, the Texans. they got the Texans next week, right? Texans. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, they're they're double digit favorites, team. Right. Um, you know, we've we've seen teams that have run right through the Texans. The mm -hmm. Texans can't stop mm -hmm. the run. It's a homecoming for for Jalen Hurts. This isn't one of the games that I would have circled to say that Philadelphia could possibly lose. Right. We know in this league anything can happen. Anyone can beat anybody on any given day. Um, but you know, it's a short week as well. But just the Texans cannot stop the run defensively. They can't get off the field. So. I don't think this is a game that Philadelphia loses. Exactly. Then the next week, they got the Commanders. You know, they're going to be favored there, and they handle them already in, in Washington, and they get them at home. After that, you got the Colts. They go Indianapolis. Again, nothing special there. Then they will host the Packers. We know the Packers are not the same team that, uh, that we're used to. They're sliding backwards. Then you got the Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, okay, that's going to be a tough one. Saints and Giants again. It would not be out of the realm that this team finishes something like 15-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, initially you said they could run the table. And they could. 15-2 isn't running the table. No, but, but uh, I'm going to say yeah, I think when, But they're going to yeah, be when favored. You look at multiple just, games against yeah, the Giants, yeah. the game against the Cowboys, um, you know, anytime you have a divisional game on the road, um, it's still a tough tough time to win it. They're really good. There's no question that the Eagles are really good. We're actually one step ahead of you, T. We've had up now for a few weeks, um, you know, the prop, will the Eagles go 17-0 and in the regular season? So, I mean, that has been up for a while now. 
Um, again, they continue to impress me on a weekly basis. Love the growth of Jalen Hurts, and I really look at that team similar to what Buffalo did, that Buffalo went out and made that trade for Stephon Diggs to give Josh Allen that big-time weapon in his third year. Philly did exactly the same thing by getting A.J. Brown. It's opened more things up for Goddard and Devonta Smith. They use a multitude of running backs, if it's Boston Scott, if it's Miles Sanders, if it's Kenneth Grainwell, and they know that Jalen Hurts is as good as any of their running backs. So from a balanced perspective, they are really good. Um, and then you add into it the mix that the defense continues to play really well, and then you add a Robert Quinn who had you know 21 sacks last year. This is an Eagle team that you know they've given up, I believe, the fewest points um, in the entire, uh, you know, in the I think in the entire NFC, they've given up the fewest amount of points. So they can they can play on both sides, and it's obvious the trade with Quinn sends a message to your entire team, your fan base, that hey, we're we want to win this, we want to be a player. So they're really good, and I love the way Jalen Hurts has been playing so far. Me too, love him. <laughs> Ten games to go, and to think about that, the toughest game on their schedule would be on Christmas Eve at Dallas. And that's their toughest game. I mean, every other game, they are going to be favored to win. And I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, this team could well, be. I mean, don't don't laugh when I say this, but, uh, you know, I think that in a weird way, the loss last night by, by Green Bay, dropping them to 3-5, and five, um, you know, I, I thought they responded fairly well in the second half of the game. Um, and... Rodgers you know, had some young receivers that, you know, that might take the next step. I still think between now and 4 o'clock Eastern tomorrow, if one team makes a splash, if it's for a Chase Claypool, an Elijah Moore, a Brandon Cooks, a Jerry Judy, um, some of the wide receiver names that are kind of to be rumored out there, I have to think it's Green Bay with you know, some of the injuries to Lazard and Watson, that if they could get another big-time wideout, we know they can play some D, we know you've got number 12 at quarterback, and you've got a really good running back in Aaron Jones and then Dylan to kind of spell him. I think they need that veteran wideout. So I'm not ready, even though being a Bear fan, and we talked about it last week, no tears from me when <laughs> Green Bay loses. But I, I still think even though they're only 3-5, and five, you're going to have a team that be, is a wild card team with eight or nine wins. If I had to pick who that team was today in the NFC, I still would probably pick Green Bay. No, I'm with you. And I, I've said that three, four weeks ago. Okay, well, the Packers aren't as bad as the record indicates. But then, I mean, they just are struggling offensively. I mean, week after week after week. So uh, we will see. All right, Chuck, uh, the breaking news. Uh, Game three tonight of the World Series has been postponed due to weather there in Philadelphia. The World Series is now scheduled for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in Philadelphia. Friday is now the off day. And if there's a game six and seven, it'll be in Houston on Saturday, Sunday. Chuck, am I have to change my travel plans again? I, I guess you are, T. I guess the big thing for me is the wheels are already turning because Thursday night, you now have a World Series game of Houston at Philly, yes. and Thursday night you have yeah. a Thursday night football game of Philly at Houston. Right. So how creative can I be to kind of tie some stuff together uh, for those two sports? Okay, so you better okay, you better pull out all the stops here, and you better make sure that you are serving some Philly cheesesteaks in that sports book, <laughs> along with maybe some Texas barbecue. There you go, Chuck. We got to do it. Let's go. 
You know, I was thinking of more from the bookmaking side than the food side, but I but I love See, the twist, T. That's I the difference. It. That's the difference between you and I. See, you are just so work consumed and I'm just so pleasure consumed, you know? <laughs> but we know, Chuck, they awesome go hand in job. hand. We know that football, food, uh, and Betty, they all go hand in hand. So we are we must collaborate here myself. All right? I love it, buddy. You're, you're not hearing any objectives to me. It's just a different thought process going in. I understand. I can see Chuck Esposito up all night tonight. He's going to be him and and Symbol and McCormick. Okay, I say, how can we get creative here? Let's see. We got how we how are we going to work these this Philly Houston prop here? I can see it. Okay, good for you, man. Good stuff. It's going to happen, buddy. As soon as we hang up. <laughs> right, good deal. All right, man. Uh, STN mobile app. Go get it. It is so easy to use. All the kiosks are available for you too to avoid the long lines. But uh, nothing better than hanging out at any of the station casino properties. Right, Chuck? For sure, T. I mean, we love it when all the guests come out and enjoy everything we have to offer across the board. STN Sports, though. We know everyone's getting busy now. Holidays are right around the corner. Uh, You've got, you know, World Cup that takes place in, in late November. What a great time to get signed up for STN Sports. It really does bring the sports books to you and everything that we're adding now from a wagering menu perspective with all the props and all the different events and, and everything else going on. It is at your fingertips. Uh, so get signed up today. There you go. Chuck, appreciate it as always, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, happy trick-or-treating for you, okay? All right. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Take care, brother. All right. Have an orange beer. That's what you should do tonight, Chuck. Have an orange beer. I love it. I, I just might. I just might. There you go. All right. Take care, brother. Mommy, you too, buddy. Thanks. Chuck Esposito at Red Rock. They do a fantastic job. Him and the whole crew over there, Jason and Jason. Hey, there's another Halloween thing. Jason and Chucky. Jason, Jason, and Chucky. Wow. All right. I want to thank Chuck Esposito, Matt Holt, for joining us today. Miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, check out our Raiders recap. That is up there. Interview from last week with Mattress Mac. It was great seeing Matt, Mattress Mac and being with him last week. Uh, Mac uh, is in Philadelphia. There is no game tonight. Rained out, postponed. Game three will take place tomorrow at Philly, 5.03 Pacific time. For Numchuck, TC saying so long. Enjoy your Halloween. Enjoy. My uh, dilemma is cured. I got no baseball tonight. I will escape and keep with my Halloween tradition. It's movie time! They prey on you. They do not prey on each other. That's the difference. They attack. They feed only warm flesh.